0: Well, welcome to the podcast, everyone. We have a special guest today, Kurt Cameron, and you might have heard of him from the movie Fireproof or the new Brave books that are out. Uh, maybe uh, if you're if you're a little bit aged like us, maybe when he was a child actor. So, <laughs> but he's yeah. he's a, a Christian, uh, strong believer that's really doing good things to bring awareness and to help the kingdom of God.
1: Hey, you guys, we wanted to have Kirk on the podcast today to introduce you to him if you're not familiar with what God has been doing through his ministry, but also he's a parent has six kids himself. Him and his wife have been an advocate for homeschooling, and so we're excited to have all kinds of conversations. I hope it's edifying to you guys today. Thanks for joining us.
0: Yeah, so thanks. Welcome. Thank you. Great, great to be with you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: Are you at home right now? Where are you? Yeah,
0: we're, you know, we're on the property. We have a little studio um, that uh, we do the podcast
1: mm-hmm.
0: shooting in and so forth. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah.
1: We'll, nice. Renovate it with our kids.
0: <laughs> Where are you? That's right. Um, put them to work. <laughs> that's good. You know all about it. You have six children, so I'm sure you know all about that. Are you on your porch there or?
2: You know, I'm actually visiting a friend. I'm in Greenville, South Carolina. And so this is a little Airbnb and it's kind of worked out perfectly with uh, with this little porch to come out here and talk to you all today. Oh,
0: fantastic. Fantastic. Well, you know, I, I, I was really uh, encouraged to see you doing the fireside prayer uh, chats, I guess you call them, where you're teaching the Bible uh-huh. and talking about what's going on. The American on.
2: Campfire Revival. Yeah, thank
0: you. Campfire Revival. And one of the reasons I liked it so much is it just seems so pure wanting to help society during tough times. You started doing that, I noticed, in COVID. And I also appreciate, too, with all of the challenge happening in society, that you have the American flag behind you. And I just I just feel like it's, there's so much hope in what you're doing there. But I thought we'd start by just asking you, what gives you hope? And what you know inspires you to keep the American flag behind you?
2: Let's see. Um, the faithfulness of God is what gives me hope. And if, if I, I think that so often we can, we, we, we want circumstances to go well for our kids, for our, for us, for our country. And when we have our eyes focused on the foreground, which is, uh, the, the 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 weather, the news, what's going on in the Middle East, what's happening economically, California, seven dollar a gallon gas prices. We're looking what's happening morally, spiritually, politically. Uh, we can become uh, discouraged, and we can become hopeless. And I meet a lot of people who are inching toward that cliff of despair, thinking surely we're near the end of the world. How, how, since when? Did we ever think that, um, um, boys would be, uh, becoming girls and, uh, millions of tax dollars would be going to abort babies? Surely the rapture must be, m- must be planned f- to get here by Tuesday. Uh, I have no more hope for this world, but that's a wrong, view in my mind i think that's not a biblical lens through which we should look at the world what i think we should be doing is keeping the faithfulness of god in the foreground and understanding that all things work together for good for those who love him including seven dollar a gallon gas prices including watching our culture decline morally and the 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 church wane spiritually, because I think God has lessons for us in that. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with uh, maturing his people. And our focus needs to be on what's in the background. And that is the sovereignty of God, the faithfulness of God. Um He is the blessed controller of all things. That's what gives me hope. So when I see uh bad things happen, in my town or in my country, or even a a health setback or a financial setback or something that is generally discouraging. We have to put that in the context of the wider reality. And that is, this isn't the perfect storm that's going to take me down. This is a tiny white cap that is on the top of a giant tidal wave tsunami of the sovereignty of God and the victory of God, and the unstoppable force of his kingdom that is moving through this world as it has been for the last two thousand years, and we get to ride that wave right now
0: Amen.
2: in two thousand twenty three and it may be crazy and <laughs> and it may be it may be terrifying, mm-hmm. but there's someone who's directing the wave. And it's a good wave. And that's, that's the almighty in heaven. Amen. That's what gives me hope. That's what gives me hope.
0: It all comes back to trust in the Lord and having a real relationship with him being in our Bibles and, and to, yes, we need to take action, but it's action with complete trust in God. And that changes how our actions come out. It changes what's behind the actions, the intentions of them. It, it, limits us from parenting in fear. Instead, we can parent Mm -hmm. in confidence Mm -hmm. because we trust God and we still make wise actions. Mm
1: -hmm. It's interesting that we started out talking about hope for what's happening in the world. One of the most common questions that we get on a regular basis, maybe you have a word for these parents that are thinking this way. But there's a lot of people who look at the world today and they don't want to bring more children into the world based upon the circumstances that they're seeing happening. And of course, for us, We're. it's probably pretty obvious what we're encouraging parents in, that God is sovereign and part of his sovereignty is that he uses his body of Christ here on earth, his people. Right. And so if he if he decides to bring forth life, God's only real creator of children. And for us to be equipping our children, understanding and trusting that God chose them for the generation that they were born in. And that is a, it's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow when I say that, because um, a lot of people look at giving life as like their, their jurisdiction, not something that God does. And I'd love to hear an encouragement for you, from you, for parents who are Mm -hmm. struggling with like, what do I do? I don't know if I want to bring another child into this world. Look at how crazy it is. Good question.
2: Yeah. um, So. If if people are genuinely thinking along those lines, um, I you know I, my my heart extends to them with with a sense of compassion because that's you, you don't want bad things for your kids, right. and so you're saying maybe I shouldn't bring them into this world, um, but that's just not a biblical view. Uh, and and I don't say that like some like looking down my nose, but I'm saying um, where where would where would the church be today and where would the kingdom of God on earth be today if, if people thought like that during the time, uh, under the reign of Nero? Amen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where your children are going to be burned on a stake to illuminate, mm-hmm. uh, gladiatorial games. Mm-hmm. Where would we be if parents thought like that even during the time of the Reformation yeah. or during the time of the Revolutionary War. Nobody wants their kids to go through those kinds of things, mm-hmm. but it's because parents had confidence in the faithfulness of God, mm-hmm. no matter the circumstances, that heroes rose up out of those generations. And, mm-hmm. and, and every George Washington, every William Wallace, every, um, William Wilberforce mm-hmm. and every apostle Paul started out as a child who likely grew up in really difficult circumstances. So we, we, we can't have that short-sighted view. We've gotta have the long-term view. And we've got to say also uh, the difficulties that we see in culture are not something that just came out of the ether from out there in the spiritual realms of darkness somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesus came and uh, last time I read in the Bible, he came to defeat the, the, the works of the devil he he secured all authority both in heaven and on earth. Mm-hmm. He he has the keys to the kingdom and he's defeated the powers of darkness and overthrown death itself by resurrecting from the grave. And we have allowed a deterior- a, a cultural deterioration here in America happen on our watch mm-hmm. as Christians and as parents. So we need to say um guilty my fault <laughs> yeah our fault yeah this isn't something where people just kicked us to the back corner as christians we 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 slinked back there with our with our tail between our legs and our ears down when we were told uh you know what it means to be good christians mm-hmm. and and um how to how to how to basically sit down be quiet and, uh, don't cause problems mm-hmm. because uh, of things like separation of church and state and, and, and other wrongly held ideas that, mm-hmm. um, just demonstrate that we, we, have got to read our Bibles better mm-hmm. and we've got to begin living, living out a biblical view of life or things will only get worse culturally for our children. And then, the you- only, and then the only, one, then the only ones, then the only ones are going to have babies are the pagans. <laughs> They're going to have all the babies. And then what well. are you going to do? That's not the plan. Um, and, you know, if, if, if you think the answer is stop having babies and just hope the rapture gets here quick, that that is a defeatist plan that you don't find anywhere in the Bible.
0: Well, a lot, a lot of people, we, we all agree, such a good answer. We all agree God is sovereign. God is in control. God is all loving. Yeah, we say that, but we do we that.
2: believe that? Do we live yes. that way? Or do you go and get the vasectomy before you have kids because the Antichrist is coming? Right. Let's let let let's just play our theology out here and say, are we really doing the thing we're saying we're doing?
0: So in that light of things, mm-hmm. there's a passivity, especially in America. There's so much we're afforded to in America compared to other parts of the world. We have people listening from all over the world, but a lot of people in America. And so you're out there in the front lines, you know, at least in, in, in the libraries right now is your front lines, it looks like. Uh, with these brave books and doing readings in libraries. So you're seeing some of the strangeness in culture. And then you're also probably witnessing some passivity amongst Christians. And you're probably also witnessing a a, a beginning of uh, people waking up too. So Mm -hmm. could you speak to that? Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. So just a little bit of background here. Last Christmas, I wrote a children's book called As You Grow. It was a book that teaches children how to grow the fruits of the spirit (laughs) during the seasons of their life. So um, love, joy, peace, kindness, things you'd think every public library would love to have read at their story hour. Well, I was denied by over 50 woke libraries that previously held drag queen story hours for children. So if you want to go in Uh, As a man dressed up as a woman in fishnet stockings and heels, lipstick and a wig, and you want to sexualize children with inappropriate content, come on. The the public library will use your tax dollars to promote them and to hire them. But if you want to go in as someone who wants to talk to children about the importance of love and kindness, faithfulness and self-control, it's a hard no. Well, I... I have uh, enough of a knowledge, basic knowledge of what the United States of America and that flag behind you represents Mm -hmm. to have said to these libraries, you're engaging in what's called viewpoint discrimination, and and it's of the worst type. It's religious viewpoint discrimination, Mm -hmm. and you're not allowed to do that by law. It's called the First Amendment to the Constitution, and if you continue, I'm prepared to assert my constitutional rights in court. And They reversed course. I got an invitation to uh, rent a reading room at the Indianapolis Public Library and the Scarsdale, New York Library, libraries that told us, we're not interested in your messaging, uh, your values and ours don't align, uh, people are not going to be showing up for these kinds of readings, we're an inclusive uh, society, and, and you're, you're, you're basically not in- welcome here. When I showed up at the Indianapolis Downtown Public Library, I was greeted by over 3,000 parents and grandparents and wow. children that flooded six wow. stories of this beautiful library that had been abandoned, essentially, because wow. of all of the dangerous corruption and protests mm-hmm. and political problems going on in that city. The, the police officer said that no one comes here anymore. The only people in these libraries are the homeless who come here to get out of the cold, but the moms won't bring their kids here anymore. Wow. It's too dangerous. And this was the largest event we've had in 137 years as a library why because mike siever showed up no it was because parents are feeling the, the the pressure cooker of being um pressured by woke ideologies that they know are going to destroy them and their families and their freedoms and they want to get back to the values that will lead to blessing and protection for their kids and their grandkids so they showed up and we found that same reaction from parents when we went to los angeles washington dc new york seattle washington phoenix arizona and all across the country so i feel the rumblings of revival and that's very Mm. encouraging um we 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 are god's loving army of compassion we are his children and the captain of our salvation does not lose his battles he wins every single one of them but the troops Have got to believe his word and that's what i'm finding uh is 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 where we have been lacking Um, perhaps we've just gotten so comfortable because of the blessings that were won by those who went before us and suffered and sacrificed to secure them and now it's our turn or our children will pay uh, pay the consequences
0: hey we just want to take a moment here in the middle and just share something really amazing that's been happening that we would love for you to be a part of, and that's the Be Courageous app.
1: It's actually free for the first week. We have a free trial, so go check it out in the Google App Store or your Apple Store, and you can you can try it out, spend some time in there, take advantage of the free exclusive resources like the kids podcast or the Courageous Marriage series,
0: or your redeeming childbirth and postpartum stuff. And
1: oh yeah, there's all kinds of um, we've. Been- Basically, have an audio and video book of Redeeming Child. And we do we do
0: spontaneous lives in there, and yes. we do monthly Q and As where you can ask us anything for an hour. Uh, everything's recorded and put in libraries, mm-hmm. so you can see all the stuff we've already done by topic and the new mm-hmm. stuff, and be part of that. It's just becoming, and it's not just about us. What's really no, cool about no, it? It's, it's it's gone way beyond us. Mm, yeah, there's yeah. so many. People sharing, answering each other's questions, encouraging each other. Mm-hmm.
1: It's become a true like biblical community where people point each other to resources that are biblical to the Lord in prayer, and they just support each other. And it's really pretty awesome.
0: So come join us. Be courageous in the mm-hmm. app store. Well, what's your what's your word to a family where the husband's working hard? They're just you know making the payments on things with inflation and everything. They got three little kids. The mom is working hard in the home to raise those kids. What's their role to play when they feel tapped out? You know, how can they be part of this?
2: Well, if you're a faithful parent, you're doing it. You're, you are doing it. Be, I hope we should be tapped out pouring into our children. Yes, you're already yeah. you're already doing it. You don't need to come become the president of the United States unless God's called you to become the president of the United States. You don't need to start a podcast. Yeah. You don't. You don't need to be Isaac and Angie. You don't need to be Kirk. You don't need to be Tim Tebow. You don't need to be, uh, Lauren Daigle or, or anybody else. All you need to do is what God called you to do. And there is no more influential or powerful position a person could possibly be stationed in than Mm -hmm. the role of mom and Mm -hmm. dad. That is the front lines of the culture war. It's not in a public library as a celebrity Christian. It's not on the radio waves. That stuff's important and good. And God can work there too. But God gave us the strategy for cultural dominion right there in Deuteronomy chapter six. Yes, mm-hmm. He He gave it to Adam in the garden. He yeah. gave it to Noah after the flood. He gave it to Abraham. He mm-hmm. gave it to Isaac and Jacob and Moses. And Jesus reiterates the whole thing in the new Testament. It starts in the heart and it expands to the home. Mm-hmm. And then you're going to put the you're going to write the laws of God, not only on your heart. in your in your mind on the works of your hand the doorposts the city gates and you're going to pass this down to your children through discipleship not merely in information transfer through an awana class and a bible memorization program (laughs) that's fine but you don't need that it's heart transfer download these things into your heart parents And then you teach them, you nourish your children with these things by your life and your example when they rise up and walk and go to sleep. And you just keep doing that every day. So you're doing it, mom, dad. You're tapped out, paying the bills, working two jobs, giving your life to these kids. You're doing it. Mm
1: -hmm. That's the plan. Mm -hmm. Amen. The Great Commission starts in the home.
0: Such a wonderful Thanks. answer, so encouraging to so many people. And I think that we just need to do that. And it really discipleship is a way of life. It's it's gotta be woven in the fabric of everyday parenting. It's the catching the moments, it's it's teaching the Bible, it's reading the yeah. Bible, it's praying it together. It's 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 your children actually seeing a real relationship with the Lord in you, the parents. Yeah.
1: When things go bad. Yeah. When things are hard, right? That's when you get squeezed, you see the truth and like letting not hiding. You know, I I think that a lot of our generation grew up with parents mm. that were trying to sugarcoat things and always make sure that we as the kids thought everything was okay. And I know it's not like textbook, every person our age was raised that way, mm. but it's very common for the baby boomer generation to have sugarcoated things and not allowed us to like actually experience part of the trial in a sense of like this is an equipping thing. I'm gonna be transparent with my kids about these kinds of things i'm going to equip them this is going to make us stronger as a family let's team together let's pray together valuing prayer like for us we've gone through different things in our life just as everybody has right whether it was um loss of a baby or loss of a business or different things like that and those were the seasons when Mm -hmm. we experienced as a family a closeness because we were all going towards god we were all seeking god and we became stronger together as a family. Maybe you could share. Um, sure. I wanted to I wanted to just kind of highlight one of the most recent books that you came out with. That is The Fox, The Fair, and The Invention Scare, <laughs> which is another brave book, right? And um, right. You, you talk about the, the theme is loving your enemies. And obviously, you've experienced a lot of hate online. And I think that it would be super encouraging to us as parents because we know, you mentioned this before that all throughout history, there have been people who thought the end was coming right now, right? Like it's been ever since Jesus left, there has been this like we're in the end times and there have been different cultures, different um, years in history where people thought the end was close. And there was an experiencing of enemies rising up, whether it was the Jewish Holocaust. There are were, there were many different experiences that have happened throughout history. And for right now, we're in this place where we are seeing Son, rise up against father. We're seeing division. We saw it huge in COVID, right? Where even marriages were not necessarily aligned. They were believing different narratives. There was division that was happening in the church. There was all kinds of these things, right? And, and Mark 13, Matthew 24 talks specifically about this kind of division that could happen. But how do you love your enemies, talk to your children about it in the times where you've experienced hate, um, hating on you for standing for truth? Have you shared that with your kids? How do you share that with your kids? I think it would be good to equip some parents because I do think that this is going to be a growing thing that we're going to be experiencing in life.
2: Mm. Yeah. Well, um, th- th- there's a lot there, and 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 I would I would love to talk about this importance of loving our enemies. Uh, personally, I don't think anything that we see going on today has uh, anything to do with Matthew 24 or Luke 21, um, and I, I think that things today are actually exponentially better than they were. Uh, A thousand years ago. So people often decry things that they see going on today and oh gosh, things are getting so bad. So it's actually nothing compared to the way it was in the Roman Empire. It's nothing compared to what it was like being a Christian Mm -hmm. under the reign of Nero or being enslaved in Egypt as a believer in, in Yahweh. The reason that we think that drag queens are so bad and we just decry things like this is because we've been so Christianized and we've moved so far in terms of uh, departing from paganism that we see something like a man dressing up as a woman and we think, shocking. But again, you go back a thousand years or 2000 years and you have people being fed to lions. You have Mm -hmm. not just homosexuality and bisexuality, but you you have sexual immorality that would make the lgbtq community blush and so i would say um look the the general principle is true as long as sin is still in the human heart uh, we will have struggle but mm-hmm. uh but there are countless examples of people who are going against the the, the 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 darkness and they're overcoming the darkness with the power of the gospel. And that encourages me so much. This was one of the things that inspired me to write that book about loving your enemies. Uh, Check, check out this quick little story. I was in Washington DC a couple of years ago and there was uh, an older couple that got up and addressed the crowd and explained how, uh, they they, they, they shared their gut wrenching story of their son who was violently murdered by a gang member, uh, and was thrown into prison, and that it was their faith in God and the hope that he would bring good out of evil that kept them going. And then they introduced a young man who came up to the microphone and explained that he was a gang member. He was in prison for murdering someone. And then he pointed to the couple and said that one day they came to my cell and visited me and revealed to me that they were the parents of the young man that I murdered. And they came to tell me that they didn't hate me, that they were praying for me, and that there was a God of forgiveness that could give me a new beginning. And when he got out of prison, they adopted him as their own son and raised him as a young man to be the man of God that he is today. And he explained that it was through loving your enemies and the power of the gospel that he was changed and he was given a new life. And I thought, wow, that's not normal that's not right i mean here your son gets murdered of all times to say well how much worse could it get children are murdering children in the streets and yet the gospel prevails in their own hearts as parents and it prevails in the heart of their son's murderer and i thought jesus was right the way forward is not revenge it's not what Hamas is doing to Israel or what or, or 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 what the Republicans are doing to the Democrats or vice versa. Jesus said, You've heard it said, love your neighbor, hate your enemies. But I tell you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. And then you'll be like your father in heaven, who sends the sun to rise on the good and the evil and gets the rain down to water the crops on the wicked guys and the good guys. So perfect love and you will be like your father in heaven. That's what he did for us, right? He loved me, who was an enemy in his mind through his own wicked works, and now I'm his son. Mm -hmm. Just like in that in that story about that couple. And so Mm -hmm. I think if we can give our children a better strategy than what they're seeing on Fox News and on CNN and on TikTok, then we really do have hope.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, so good, so good. You know, I, I, I saw one clip of you, just talking about the importance of family. We agree with you, the importance of family and God ordained it that way. One, we did a survey with our listeners and the number one challenge they see in marriage that came back to us was um, men not leading their families well. And I think more of that was spiritually, leading spiritually. And so uh, I was just curious what your take is on that. And if you agree with that, that's an issue, which I'm sure you do, what's a message for the men out there
2: show us show us how to lead who who and, and I'm not talking to to the women I'm talking to to, to the dads and to the grandpas um, mm-hmm. we we want to lead uh, I mean' I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, I'm you know I'm throwing myself into the group here right in the way that I'm yes. saying this. Yes. I'm saying yes. I'm saying I want to be a good leader where's mm-hmm. my Gandalf where's my Moses? Where's my Elijah? Where's my, where's, where's my teacher to teach me these mm-hmm. things? And you know what your my dad would two. say? What, what's that? I just said, where's your Titus two, <laughs> your Titus two men and women? And you know what my dad would say? That's a good question. I didn't have one either. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think what we need to do is we need to say, um, you know, we, we can all point to others who didn't do what they should have done to help equip us so that we could do what we should have done for our kids and whatever. And I just want to say, all right, um, no let's, let's just sort of, uh, b- band together here. Let's get back to to the word of God, which, yeah. which is our hope. And this is, mm-hmm. this is our lifeline and say, let's begin to get back to the scriptures and learn these things and let's do it together. Let's gather, let's pray. Let's help and support one another. Let's bear each other's burdens and let's read the stories of the men who led in the past and did it right. And the ones who did it wrong, learn from the mistakes of Solomon, learn from the mistakes of David uh, yes. and be encouraged by the success stories of those who, who did well. And, and then maybe our children will be able to take some of those things and learn even more and then be good leaders in their homes. Um, and it's, it's tricky because we look at leaders on television, we look at leaders in movies and we start to think that, well, yeah, maybe I should be like, um, the leaders that I see in, in DC, or maybe I, maybe it's, it's, I need to be like Iron Man or Captain America or, or whatever. And yet Jesus is our model. He was a shepherd. He was a servant. Mm -hmm he had all power at his disposal and yet he humbled himself and he laid down his life how do i do that when it goes Mm -hmm. against every fiber of my being um that that's a great question and i that's why i appreciate you guys um as as you tackle that as one of your topics that i think will just you know that'll it will be something that we'll be talking about for a long time oh yeah yeah. for a
1: long time you got me thinking when you were answering there, because as, as the woman that's on this podcast interview right now today, I think one of the things that is huge is that sometimes men look at all of those examples, like you were saying, and think, oh, I need to do X, Y, Z, or I wish I was. And they look at their the things they're not good at, right? Because mm-hmm. we're all our own worst critic. Mm-hmm. And we allow those things, or men can potentially allow them, those things to paralyze them. Disable them, mm. if you will, from actually walking in what God called them and created them for. Which, if they're married, they're a husband. If they're a father, they're a father. And I think one thing women can do to help their husbands mm. is to start affirming their spouses more. So, for you women who are listening, like, you know, don't compare your spouse to the podcaster or the pastor or the the guy you're listening to sermons on on during the week. But instead, be thankful and look for the things that are the God qualities, the Jesus qualities that are in your husband and encourage your husband with those things. I think that a a good first step is to be thankful and to be on the lookout for the things that you can affirm in your spouse. So if if anyone's listening right now who is in that Mm -hmm. kind of a situation, who is really struggling with contentment, even in their marriage or in their family, because they desire for their husband to be leading more. I just want to encourage you. Here's a Courageous Parenting Challenge, if you will. Look for those things and affirm them in your spouse.
0: I'd also say that uh, Kirk Kirk is not perfect. I'm not perfect. We're men uh, in our Bibles uh, trying to live out being godly men and serving our families, but we make mistakes. We all make mistakes, but it's not It's not looking at the mistakes. God forgives us for those. It's looking forward. What can we do? Step forward and lead our families by serving them and by breaking open in the Bible and praying together and just having an authentic relationship with Jesus that trickles out into your family. There's no program. There's no like exact equation for it. But if you're in love with God and you're reading your Bible, that's just going to ripple out in the culture of the family. Mm
2: -hmm. Angie I so I, 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 I sure appreciate what you said when you're giving uh, practical advice to moms wives I should say to affirm their husbands um, you, you told me that I could speak freely on this podcast right yes, me, this, this is what this is what's going through my mind uh, you're echoing what the scriptures say encourage one another build each other up make sure that your words are are, are seasoned with grace and uh, they, they benefit your husband. Uh, among others, who are hearing these words. That's great. That's great. Affirm your husband. I think that's great. I have a word, though, to husbands. Husbands, do not look to your wife for affirmation. Do not look to your wife to affirm you. You will set up a system that will cause you to resent the very people who are trying to affirm you. And let me tell you why. Because God is the only source of your affirmation. You must look to him. Because if you're depending on your wife to prop you up and tell you that you're handsome and that you're intelligent and that you're not perfect and that you're still good and that you look, you are putting a burden on her or upon your children or upon others to praise you or to affirm you and to help you Mm -hmm. secure a sense of worth and value and purpose that they cannot possibly fulfill. The only one who can give that to you in a right way is God himself and and mm-hmm. and when when you look to other people and they don't give you the all the affirmation that you want you will end up seeing them as the problem instead of your idolatry is the problem and you need to go to God and say God um you made me I I've got I've got struggles here and there but you died for me on the cross and I am here to serve you and I am just so grateful for my life and I'm grateful for the opportunity to love my wife, to love my kids, to do the very best that I can. God, give me a heart that values what you value and, mm-hmm. and, and help me stop this pity party where I'm just <laughs> focusing on all the things that I wish I was or I wish my wife was or I wish my kids were and just say, thank you for who you are and that you have me where you have me. Help me be someone who honors you with every opportunity that you give me. If you find your purpose, your affirmation, and your identity there, you will then have a settled peace to be able to love your wife and to love your kids, and that will make them flourish. That's the kind of leader I think we want to be.
0: Amen. Amen. So good. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think it would be really interesting to hear just a little bit about your testimony. Uh, I know your sister's walking with the Lord, Candice Buer. And were you guys raised by Christian parents or did you, you know, a little bit about your testimony?
2: So Candace and I uh, were, were uh, raised in a home together with our two sisters. We all, all four of us never went to church as kids. I was an atheist when I was on growing pains and for the first what 18, 19 years. And then I ended up, I ended up going to church because I met a cute girl. I wanted to date her. And she said, come meet my, my family. And I met her on a Sunday morning at a church and I'm an atheist, but I was also an actor. So I figured I could fake the whole thing for an hour and a half and still, and still, and still uh, be able to see this girl. And um, I heard the gospel message. I had lots of questions. Her father answered questions for me about the Bible, evolution, other religions, and then encouraged me in light of the gospel and in light of the command to repent and put my faith in Christ, before I die and stand before my creator in judgment, I prayed while sitting in my parked car on the side of the road. Uh, God, if you're there, if you really put the stars in the sky and you keep my heart beating at night, would you would you show me the truth and would you make me the man that you created me to be? Uh, mm-hmm. I, 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 don't have, I don't have any religion. I don't go to church. Um, I don't, I I can't answer a million questions, but if you're real, I, I really want to know. And I told a friend who took me to church and gave me a Bible. I began to read it, getting more and more questions answered. And then eventually became persuaded that Jesus must have risen from the, from the grave. He, he was more likely who he said he was the Lord of the universe. than he was a liar or a lunatic or a legend based mm-hmm. on all the information i could find and i uh, it helped me to see that fathers of science and medicine and philosophy mm-hmm. and brilliant mm-hmm. people around the world like albert einstein and like today john lennox and and so many others are people who have a profound faith in god and i thought wow i i would actually be in good company for, for believing in god uh, einstein wasn't a christian but But the idea of God was where I started and the gospel brought me to a right understanding of who that God is. And that was the beginning of my faith. Uh, some people ask me, how did you find Christ in Hollywood of all places? Um, that must be a hard place to find, find the Lord. And my pastor at the time reminded me, he said, Kirk, don't ever think that you found Christ in Hollywood. You didn't, um, you didn't find Christ. He wasn't lost you were lost in hollywood Mm -hmm. and he found you and that's easy for for the lord to do
0: praise the lord that's amazing story very similar actually to my story i became a believer at 23 was an atheist before that god is so good it's like when you are living that way and you've lived so many years you 19 years me 23 years uh not knowing god even you know, oh, those people need that, you know, they need that in their life. I don't need that was kind of my philosophy. And and then when the truth is revealed, when God reveals himself, when the Bible comes alive and it's wow, this is true, it's so incredible to have the forgiveness of all sins and to have the joy and peace and understanding mm-hmm. of being with God. And so I can just relate to your story so much. What was interesting, you know, being a celebrity. Um you know, for so many years doing the show and then in Hollywood and accepting the Lord, that must have been a big shift in your career that 's a big topic, but what 's just a little little piece because we 're coming to the close here of uh you know that must have been difficult
2: it it was challenging, but that 's the same reason that you and I go to the gym is because it's, it's it's hard, but I keep going. Why? Well, because I'm going to grow. That's my goal. Yeah. And what I want to do is grow in my understanding of God. I want to mature. I don't want to stay a kindergarten Christian my whole life. And so as you have the opportunity, stand for what's right. Do what, Do what's good. Mm-hmm. Do the good thing. Go the good way. And when you do, that's where your faith is actually strengthened. Mm-hmm. That's where your convictions are formed. That's where your values and your character is forged. It's in the crucible of a tough spot when you're caught between a rock and a hard place, and something's going to have to give. Uh, say I'm not going to give on my convictions to honor God, and that's where you grow. And I find later that that, that it was those early opportunities to do that that prepared me for the later opportunities that i'm enjoying now like um standing up to the american library association who has millions and millions of dollars granted to them by the federal government to teach librarians how to keep me out of their libraries so that i'm not reading the bible to children well you got to know what's going on and contextualize that and know your know your biblical principles and and even know your constitution to be able to do that. Yeah. And then you gotta have some rhinoceros skin yeah. to be able to tolerate some of the insults that come your way. Um you you gotta you you gotta have the, the the courage to go do some of these things and you gotta know where your where your strength comes from. It's the it's the joy of the Lord, even in the midst of difficulty. So uh I I, I think we we've got to learn to welcome those opportunities like uh it, it says somewhere in the bible um consider joy my brothers when you mm-hmm. experience these various trials yes. knowing that this is the kind of stuff that god uses to produce all the hope and the joy and the character and the faith that's gonna make you look and live more like jesus for a watching world
0: so great well we uh, doing the courageous parenting podcast we believe we're helping the next generation by helping parents Help their children. Mm-hmm. So there's legacies of faith. And uh, that's right. These, these children, we defy the odds of, you know, what's a 70% or so of children in Christian homes fall away from the faith by age 18. Some of the studies show. So to, yeah. to encourage our parents to really disciple the children, I see you doing yeah. it, a wonderful ministry that you're doing right now, going directly to the parents and the children with these books and giving them tools that really help them, not just saying, I, hey, we need to do this, but Here are some discipleship tools to actually do that, which is so practical, so needed in awareness. But uh, why Brave Books? And maybe share a little bit of what's happening. We have your three books right here.
1: I'll pull them up so they can see who's watching on YouTube. (laughs) So Brave Brave Books is is a
2: great company. I I love them, support everything that they're doing over there. They're producing literature books, storybooks for kids that have pro-God, pro-America values. And I've written three books with them, but they have dozens of authors that are also good. Well, some of my favorite books are uh, Elephants Are Not Birds. That's a book uh, teaching children to uh, love who God made them. This obviously is in contrast to the, to the indoctrination of gender transition ideology. This one's called Elephants Are Not Birds. And uh, it's about a singing elephant who uh, loves to sing. And so culture of the vulture tries to convince him that he might be better off as a bird. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and have him strap on fake wings and a beak, mm-hmm. which actually keeps him from being the amazing animal God meant meant him to be. And he ends up saving the day by throwing that stuff off and yeah. and uh, yeah. doing what elephants do best. Uh, one of my other favorite books there is called uh, The Island of Free Ice Cream. Oh, teaching yeah. children about the dangers of socialism. We've read that How do you teach your kids big concepts like this in simple ways that they can understand? Yeah. Well, it's by reinforcing the biblical concepts principles and i and ideas mm-hmm. through creatively done projects like Brave Books. So uh, go to bravebooks.com if you're listening. And if you want to invest in your kid's faith and their character, consider joining the Book of the Month Club. They'll send a brand new book uh, every month to your front door with a pro-God, pro-America value. Mm-hmm. And uh, my book is free right now if you sign up at bravebooks.com.
0: Go, go do it, parents. And remember, sometimes... These tools mm-hmm. stir up these conversations you wouldn't have thought to have or initiate mm-hmm. with your children 100%. unless you had this resource mm-hmm. that brings it alive with beautiful pictures mm-hmm. and well-written uh, biblically sound stories well, that, I
1: know that our uh, like our three youngest kids, we have nine, but our three youngest are under seven and they love getting yeah. the map out with <laughs> the stickers and reading the books yeah, right. going around full right. miles. <laughs> and
2: and then the cool thing about these books that I love is Um, You don't have to find creative ways to talk about the principles in books like um, Elephants Are Not Birds or Island Free Ice Cream or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, In the very back of the book, there's all those great games and challenges and Mm -hmm. quizzes with Bible verses that specifically tee up conversation Mm -hmm. points with your kids with fun games so that they love the activity. It's perfect for family time.
1: Yeah, it's awesome.
0: So good. Well, so appreciate uh, you being on the Courageous Parenting Podcast. Any last words for our listeners?
1: And where can they find you?
0: Boy, um
2: you know you could find me on social media uh, my my Facebook account, my Instagram account, my my Twitter X account. Just just google me whatever, you'll find mm-hmm. me somewhere. And uh fi- final words, let's see. Um I'm a, I'd like to end with with a quote from one of our founding fathers. His name is uh John Adams. Mm-hmm. And John Adams said it does not take a majority to prevail, but rather an irate, tireless minority keen on setting brush fires of freedom in the minds of men. That that is That is who we are. We are the children of God. We don't need to have the majority of people agree with our biblical worldview in order to bring the blessings of heaven to earth. It's never been like that. But that powerful army of compassion who, against all odds, outfunded, outgunned, outnumbered, out everything, like the pilgrims or like the reformers, Mm -hmm. they come and they start a spark that catches fire on a college campus or through a prayer meeting in a church that spreads To the young people that ends up spreading across a land and a great awakening takes place. We've had two of them in the United States already. And they come during times of great peril where you have economic collapse, moral decline, spiritual apathy, political corruption. Does that sound familiar? I think we're in one of those times right now. Maybe we're on the cusp of a revival.
0: Awesome. So good to have you on. Love all that you're doing. May the Lord bless all your work and all the things you're involved with. So, so appreciate it.
2: Thanks so much.